All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you would slowly make your way to the front. (laughs) It was the youth minister's son. Don't worry about it. (laughs) We kind of expect that out of him. Um, And then those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, if if you want to make your way to the... uh, to the back, you'll be able to go with your teachers for your class this morning. Guys learn good things, okay? Who's enjoying the sunshine this morning? Oh man, it is. I, you don't realize how long it's been since, it, what's that? <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. God is good. All right. All right. It is good to see many of you this morning. All the, the weather's just been, been kind of foul and, and things like that. But on a good day like this, man, it's, it's just good to see everybody. Praise God for that. Uh, we are in day eight of our 21 days of fasting. And, and so everybody in there, uh, it's just the theme of, of where we're going right now is that seeking God. Seeking God. So we're seeking Him through prayer and fasting uh, we've called everyone to 21 days, and, and again, this is day eight, and I hope that it's going well. I've, I've spoken with several throughout the week, and it, uh, you know, what I'm hearing is, is some, some challenging things in there, but also some, some good attention given to God, and, and there's no better way to spend, uh, spend time. Um, I do want to remind you that, that on Tuesday and Thursday, we did it this last week, Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday at 6.15 a.m., for the early risers, and on Thursday at 6, uh, 6.15 p.m., we're, we come into the sanctuary here, and uh, with song, uh, Eric leads us in some song, uh, and, and some, uh, let me see, scripture reading together, and then some specific focused prayer. And so, uh, this last week, it lasted about 30 minutes each time that we gathered together. So it's, it's a brief time. We encourage you to, to come. It's definitely not a have to, but we want to make sure that you knew that was available. Uh, actually, I had a bigger group Tuesday morning when it was slick out. And so, uh, so appreciating those, those folks who came out. And then again, on Thursday, we had another uh, small group, but, but I, I do want to let you know that we're here in case you want to uh, take part in that focus of seeking God in these three weeks that we're doing this. Last week, uh, as, as part of this seeking after God, it was seeking for guidance, seeking for direction from God. And, and I really did think about, well, where do I go in the Scripture? I, I prefer to stick to a, a specific text. But last week I was drawn to just talk about how God throughout the scripture had spoken the Old Testament, spoken the New Testament, and how he's directing us today. Uh, today, our focus is going to be upon uh, seeking God for provision, seeking God for provision. And today, we're going to stick to one passage. So if you, have the, if you don't have your Bible with you, you could use the blue ones in front of you. Matter of fact, if you don't have a Bible, you come today and you don't have one of those, you're welcome to take that one with you. Uh, we've had those disappearing, and we both, you know, I, I was talking to someone this week, and I said, that's great. So, so we purchased those to put in the pews, and for anybody who doesn't have them, to take those home. But uh, in, in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be. Open that up, um, and, and that's going to be our focused uh, area there. Actually going to be going back and forth throughout. 
Here's why. Here, here's the passage that, that we're looking at, the, the specific verse. We'll call it the key text. It is uh, verse 33 out of Matthew chapter 6. And you all, I, I, I say this verse often. Find myself saying it in lessons and other details because this really is a foundational uh, text for what Jesus wants us to do in this life. And, and as I begin to say it, or even as it might be up here on the, on the screen, you might, uh, you will know it. it. It says, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Are you familiar with that? Is it up there? It's not up there. All right. You're going to repeat it with me, okay? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. Okay, was it up there now? No, it's not up there. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. If it's up there, it's up there. If it's not, it's not. All right, that's the focus text. Now, the first word in that passage, a lot of times when we're quoting it, we leave out the but, okay? We leave that out. Because, well, you know, you don't want to quote, you don't quote something and begin with but, that word has a very important connection with everything Jesus has been saying, right? And it, and it absolutely identifies what we just said. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. So, so what we're going to do is go back and look at, at all that Jesus said in the context of chapter 6. Uh, we're going to seek and think about God's provision. In, in your prayer time, you know, in that, that seeking after God, when we're talking about provision, there's a couple areas that, that we're, we're, we pray for provision. Each of us individually or in our families, God uh, strengthen us, oversee us, God give us what we need, right? And, and we do it as a church as well. So in, in our focus this next week, that's the direction we'd like for you to go. In light of Matthew chapter 6. Let's dive in. Jesus actually lays out uh, some teaching here that we need to grasp concerning this uh, Matthew uh, and, and verse 33, right? Seeking kingdom, seeking his righteousness. And then everything else, provision, right? Provision, everything else is going to be taken care of. Jesus begins this chapter with a warning. Matter of fact, there's some places throughout chapter 6 that has a warning. So the first lesson I, I want us to, to grasp from what Jesus is saying is this, that there is trouble with seeking things over God's kingdom and righteousness. When, when he says seek first God's kingdom, there's, there's other things that, that we will, we're going to be tempted or drawn to seeking before ever before God's kingdom. Do we understand that? Jesus said, here's the way you live your life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in, again, in that, he, he lays out some warnings. He lays out some do not or, 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 or you must not do some things. Uh, let me look at first, uh, verse 1 if you have that open to you. He begins by saying, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That verse points out recognition. Don't, don't practice your righteousness in order to be seen by other people. That's, that's not why you are uh, seeking first his righteousness. It's so you can be recognized. 
And, and they're throughout chapter 6, uh, beginning in, in verse 2 and, and uh, 2 through 4. He says, do not practice your righteousness of giving. Do not give in order for everybody else to see it. Uh, matter of fact, don't be like the hypocrites. You know who hypocrites are? They're the ones who act out. They're like actors. They're going to act on the behalf. And the reason they're acting is they want you to see that as I'm giving my offering, I want you to see this. I'm taking it out. And, and someone blow the horn, the whistle. Let's make an announcement. And, and they, want to, they want you all to see and know how I'm giving so that you know that I'm acting out in righteousness. They want recognition. But Jesus, Jesus in those verses says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's not possible, right? But that's the extent which Jesus wants to emphasize, hey, this is to be done in secret. Not for everybody else. You're not giving to elevate yourself and be recognized, right? And another one follows immediately after that, and it's in that area of prayer. Hey, when you're praying... Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't go out on the street corner and let everybody hear your eloquent words of prayer or, or in the synagogue. Don't, don't go out to be recognized by everybody else concerning the way you pray. That part of righteousness is not to be on display so you could build yourself up. Your prayers are to be directed to God. And he emphasizes, hey, you go in your room and you close your door. Nobody else in the room. I'm sure that's what it meant. You go into your room and you close the door where nobody else is going to watch, hear your words. It's just going to be between you and God, right? Now, this, this, is, this is part of practicing seek first his kingdom. Seek first that, that uh, righteousness practice before God. It's between me and God. There's another one, and it really fits with what we're doing here uh, right now. And it's over in verse, it follows after Jesus has some comments about praying to him in verses 6 through 18. And it's about fasting. There he says, hey, don't be like the hypocrites, for they, they disfigure their faces. Imagine, okay, they're fasting, they're not having food, so what do we do? I'm going to look pretty gloomy. I'm going to look all hollow in the face. So when I'm out, the people will be able to recognize, oh, the poor man is, is hungry. Oh, look, oh, oh, he's fasting. Oh, how much he must love God. <laughs> so it's, again, it's not... Uh, it, it, we are not fasting in order so that we could be recognized by other for this righteous act of fasting. This is between you and God. He emphasizes that point again. He says, you know, clean yourself up, look normal, don't look like you're going through anything. Again, because this is between you and God. In each case, this is between you and God. Matter of fact, he, he makes this statement in each of these areas. He's, he repeats it again and again and again. And at the bottom of verse 4, he says, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And how does he reward you? Oh, man, is not... I, I, I just think this relationship with God is reward enough. <laughs> But he adds so much more to our lives, the gift of the Spirit within us, and the idea of, well, the things we're even going to talk about, generosity and, and contentment and, and joy. All those things come from God who loves us incredibly. It is not to be done for recognition. 
There's not, there, there's one other do not, and it's actually in verse 19. Verse 19 uh, of that Matthew 6 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, it's, it's saying, man, if you're, if you're seeking pursuing the wealth of the world, it is foolishness because, hey, there, there's, there are things in this world that's just going to remove it. We know that, you know, because of the current economy, you got your, you know, your savings up and things, and we're watching it dwindle down, right? If we've got a lot of savings. The truth is that, that if we focus upon all our energy upon treasures, then what happens with the verse in verse 33? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There's, there's a con- contradiction there. Matter of fact, uh, we choose what we, have to ch- we are able to seek after. Is, is it about recognition? Is it about the treasures of this world? What we choose to seek after reveals our internal condition. It, it really reveals who we are within. And, and in verses 22 through 23, I do believe these are, are kind of like the, the, the center of all that Jesus is saying here in chapter 6. So pay close attention to what he says in 22, 23, and also 24. First of all, 22 and 23. Jesus says, the eye of the lamp of the body, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, Jesus uses the expression or the thought of the eye. It, it, it can even parallel, you know, the good eye or, or the bad eye. It could parallel where he's spoken before about the heart. The good heart is, is darkness within. Uh, I mean, the good heart, there's light within. And, and the, the uh, dark heart, is, of course, there's darkness in. Or the bad, bad heart, is there's darkness within. Uh, and in the idea of the heart... It is, the heart is the center one's affections and commitment. The very center, you know, what's first within the heart? What is the first thing? What is the priority within your heart? And it identifies that. In verse 24, Jesus follows with this. No one can serve two masters. For either will, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says some powerful things. Did you know that? Man, in 22, 23, and 24 are powerful things when it comes to the things of, of this world, the wealth of this world. Here's a difficulty that these cannot be served at the same time. Last, he says, what we ought to do is put his kingdom first, right? His kingdom first and, and pursue that in our lives. And, and we can't do both. Can't be pursuing the things of this world and pursuing the things of God at the same time. There, there, there are a lot of threats to Christianity. And we, we would sit here and, and be able to talk about them. You know, there's seeming threats in, in, in other, other religion, Muslim faith, or, or we might say uh, atheist, or communism, or, or, you know, one time is New Age, now it's relativism. 
but the true threat, I, th- I think Jesus identifies in his words what the true threat to, to Christianity is, and it's materialism. Why? Because that comes in, and that's so easy. Let's, what I'm going to attempt to do is wrap my arms around God. That's my intent. And yet the world, and cling to the things of the world, and pursue the things of the world. Jesus says you can't do that. You can't bring the two together. You can't be devoted to both. Uh, basically, he, he says one is going to, to, to suffer from that. If, if you try, one's going to be neglected. So if we're embracing the things of this world, Jesus says you're going to be devoted to that. If if you're focused upon the things of this world, you're going to be devoted to that, and ultimately you'll be despising God or despising even Jesus, his son. You cannot serve both. That's pretty difficult. Um, In uh, Craig Blomberg's, he, he made this comment. We try so hard to create heaven on earth, making things comfortable, building the abundance around us. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and throw in Christianity, something that we'll throw in here and there when, when it's convenient, as another small addition to the so-called good life. Oh man, we have to be careful. Some of these words, I have to go back and examine and look at the stuff in my house. And I have to think, what if, where, where is my interest and what is my home and the things that I, that, that I own? What does that say about you know, where I stand within this verse? What's most important? What's most important? Is God, um, is, is God leading? Is he the one I'm seeking or is it the things of this world? That's tough. Hey, we're, we're called to follow after Jesus wholeheartedly right the one who suffered upon the cross has called us to follow him with our whole heart everything we are everything we have that's yours right isn't that right absolutely absolutely another lesson that that we absolutely see in this chapter six that, that Jesus gives to us, he identifies that the means of provision. Again, verse 33, we say we seek God's kingdom first and, and we trust God for all the provision. You know, we go back earlier where he's speaking about prayer. In verse 8, he says, hey, when we ask or, or before we ask, the Father already knows what we need. That's amazing. We don't have to ask. God already knows what we need. How, what we need to, to make it through every day. God already knows. And then in verse 11, in that prayer, you know, he teaches them how to pray. Verse 11, he comes along and says, oh, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. We, we're to ask God. You, hey, God, provide for our needs. Of course, that, is, that, that uh, follows What's said at the beginning? Oh, first of all, let me recognize God. Hallowed be thy name. And then it's, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Kind of fits with 33, right? Seek first his kingdom. Let me pray about his kingdom first. Oh, yeah. And then, hey, God about provisions, uh, give us that daily bread. 
After that, it's about, God, forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive me of my sinfulness. There's a provision as well, right? It's not just food he provides us with. He provides us with a salvation through Christ, that forgiveness that we absolutely are in need of, right? That's what God has given to us. That's what he's provided. And it is for us to depend upon him for those provisions. In 20 and 21, after he, after he says, do not lay up treasures uh, for yourselves in heaven. Then in, in verse uh, 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's seeking kingdom. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust uh, uh, where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's, that's where treasures are safest, okay? Lay up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's where, you, again, that identifies who we truly are, depending on where we're setting our, our treasure. How do I invest in God's kingdom? That's the question. How, how do I invest in God's kingdom? Uh, there's, there's ways I've talked about this before, but I especially, a, a brand new believer who's amongst us, uh, had a conversation with him not just recently. And, and I didn't bring this up. They brought it up and said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with, with giving. And, and the reason they said, they went on and said, they, they realize, already realized that in the Old Testament, it was 10%. Boy, that's cut and dried. 10% goes to the Lord. We're, that's what we give. But in the New Testament, that's not repeated. Matter of fact, the law is gone. So, and, and the comment after that was, I don't want to give it all away. That, that was the thought in their mind. I, 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 well, no, I can't give it all away. And, and the idea, can, can we understand why they would think that? I mean, the rich young ruler what was it Jesus said? What, what's one thing that I need to do? I've, I've followed the laws. I've done everything else. What do I need to do? He said, well, go sell everything you have, and then you come follow me. And he went away weeping, you know, just sorrowful. Uh, also, he tells about the widow. He was really taken with the widow who came and put the two coins a- into the offering box. And, and amongst all the others who were given their offerings, he says, you know, amongst all those, that widow has given most generous, who's given all she had. And, and you know, so, so we begin to think, well, what do you want? I, I love this perspective. That I saw this working in this brand new believer that instead of thinking, oh, what, what portion, what, what percentage do I give? Instead, it, it was more this idea, what do I keep? It's just different thinking, isn't it? Oh, what, what, what do I really need? And then what can I give on behalf of the kingdom? What do I give on behalf of the kingdom? Paul really gives some direction when it comes to, to giving. Second Corinthians, he, he told them in chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, here's what he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, no arm twisting here, uh, what good is that going to do? Oh, we might make budget. Woohoo! But it does you no good to, to, to twist arms or anything. It really depends upon the condition of everyone's heart. Isn't that right? For God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace. Again, God who supplies all things, listen to what he, he adds to that. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I think that's kingdom work, right? Being able to add and build upon the kingdom that God is creating before our eyes. Oh God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. We get to be a part of that. We get to invest in his kingdom. And how important is that? That this, so this idea, I want to go back to the beginning of that. Everyone who has decided in his own heart, I've always said that it's not, and well, actually, Daryl Boss, and some of you will remember Daryl from years back, but Daryl would always say that, that, you know, you just don't come that morning and boom, decide. It really ought to be part of your planning, you know, part of your budget. Hey, you know, what, what are we going to dedicate to God? What are we going to give to God, you know, in, in, in offering? What are we gonna inv- how are we going to invest in kingdom? And then, then make everything else fit. So that is determined away. And then you, make, you, then you give accordingly, according to what, what's coming out of your heart. That's our concern. So that's your encouragement. The book of Acts, we've been going through. If you've been with us, you know the beginnings of the book of Acts. We see the power of the church that starts, right? Uh, to see the giving that was going on. In that brand new congregation, people from across all kinds of lines, there was people who were impoverished receiving Christ. There were people with abundance who were receiving Christ. And in the scriptures, what it said is those who, who had an abundance, what did they do? They went and sold property that they had. And, and they brought the money and, and then the leadership or the apostles, they distributed it as was needed. And then that grand statement was made. They had everything in common. Nobody, nobody within, within the brand new believers uh, were impoverished anymore. They were all taken care of. And it, and it came through the church. It was amazing. It revealed God's power, his grace, his love. And I think the church is still doing the same thing. Matter of fact... I have a final point here to make for us this morning. Uh, this simple verse must be applied individually. You know, the, the, what we see in chapter 6, read that. I'm going to encourage you to read that through this week. You know, take your time. We didn't have the opportunity to read all those verses together, but I encourage you to do that and see this for yourself. This sim- simple verse must be applied individually and how we operate as a church, not only individually, but what needs to be applied as a church. With that, y'all, y'all should say no, duh. That, that, that should be obvious. I do believe there are churches and organizations out there that are, that are taking money and are being abusive and not following like kingdom first. The way they're handling their funds is not kingdom first or even righteousness first. And, and, and we need to be careful, just as careful as, as we need to be individually. The church and the leadership here needs to keep this in mind. We are to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. And everything, then, then God is going to supply all the needs that we have, right? We, we're going to work together in, in accomplishing that. Kingdom first. That means everything that, that we've already said in, within chapter 6 is something we follow. We're not here as a church to be recognized. We don't want to, 
you know, I, I mean, t-shirts are fine and things like that, but we're, hey, we're number one. We're number one, you know. We want everybody else to know that, hey, we're the congregation that's, you know, we want everybody to see and recognize. The truth is we want Jesus to be recognized. That's the absolute truth. And I want to do it with my brothers and sisters across the street and throughout this community. Uh, I love the fact we get together because that identifies with the community that we're doing this together. We're doing more and more together as congregations. And that is, I can't, I can't tell, express to you enough how absolutely, uh, you know, bless, what, what a blessing that is before God. He loves unity, right? You've seen it with this scripture. So all those times where we could work together, that's a blessing. So we're not, we're not pursuing recognition and we're not pursuing riches, right? We're not pursuing. Our purpose for getting together is not to take up the offering. <laughs> it's not to build a bank account. Our purpose is to seek first his kingdom. Now the church works with a budget, you know, our, our statement is this, that we, we exist to foster the family of God, to build, us, build up each of us. The idea behind that is that we're all growing and maturing in Christ. And I think we're doing that better than we've done for years in the past few years. I, I, I believe I'm watching people as they're growing, and it is, it is absolutely refreshing to see what God is doing in some people's lives. Man, I'm loving, loving some people and, and loving what God is absolutely doing. And that's fun. That's so much fun. As a church, we work according to a budget. And, and matter of fact, that's available to you. You can see what the, the board chooses and, and lays out in this budget. Yeah, that's always open. If you're interested, you ask Trish in the office. She'll show you what the, the budget that we're working with goes. The budget is built according to what's been given and, and so we work according to budget. If things, you know, if things during the year, which is happening over the past several months, our, our, our offerings have been dropping. And so we continue to work according to the budget. You know, we have to cut, make cuts and things like that. Uh, and, and part of the reason we look at it, we, we think about economy. And, and we definitely think about inflation that some of us have to work different with our budgets right now. As a family, don't you? Right. That, that I'm making the same amount in my paycheck, but now so much more to, to pay for food and other things, for gas definitely and other things. So budget has to be adjusted. And, and part of that is, is what you're able to give. And, and we as a church will just work with the budget that we have. There's also another economy that the church is, is, is concerned about. This is really where, where leadership and, and, and us who are looking to grow and mature a congregation. Let's go back and think about the economy of the heart. What, what, what's within the heart? The condition of the heart. I do know that there are a lot of new believers here, and man, they're just venturing into this new area of, of what it means to give and, and how to contribute. They're coming to that place of, of deciding within their heart of what they're going to give. So we're excited about where you are and, and encourage you to, to seriously consider these things or even talk and maybe go into more depth about that because it part, that, that in part is revealing the new hearts that you have, those who are new to the faith. There are many of us here who are cheerful givers. Uh, a good portion of the congregation are cheerful givers, and, and they know 
the, the joy and the contentment of living under that, that dependence, that, that trusting in God, not upon the paycheck I get every week, right? But there are those who have bad eyes, you know, who, who are actually dark within and not full of light, as it's described there in 20 and 20, or yeah, er, earlier in the, the passage we went through. Not full of the, the, the light of trusting in God and, and, and what he has given. Bad eyes and darkened hearts attempting to serve, even, even attempting to serve both God and money. You know, on Sundays we're here, it's just a portion of the pie. You know, it's a portion of the pie. Here's my church and here's, here's my life, here's my stuff, here's, here's all these things without Jesus as being center of our lives. There, there is, there is uh, corruption in anyone's life where it's full of darkness. That's an indicator. That's something that we as a church are concerned about. Now, we will exist. We will, and if it's inflation is the reason why our offerings have gone down, praise God for what is being given. We will make the adjustments and we will continue to preach and teach the word and continue to minister through what God has given. But if there are hearts that need to be changed, there are hearts that are darkened, who, who, who are trying to embrace all the things of this world and, and they're giving, investing a little bit in the kingdom, very little in the kingdom, then our encouragement for you is to get real with Jesus. So do some repenting, is, is to do some asking forgiveness, because God is generous, isn't he? God is absolutely so generous, and we know that because he sent his son to die for us, forgiveness, and he opened the door for us to live a, a, a life free of the burden of, of gluttony and, and, and the desires and things for this world but for the things of his kingdom. Remember this. Do not forget this. Seek first, but seek first. God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. There's, there's a passage, and you all know by now, those who have been with us, um, I love Asaph's words in, in Psalm 73. I love uh, the way he ends that. Uh, quickly, the story is this, man. He was so wrapped up and envious of the things of this world. But they had all the advantages, and they're pursuing all the things of the world, and they're gaining things for themselves. And he was looking in the wrong direction until, until he went to seek God. He went into the temple, and then he had all his eyesight corrected. You know what I mean? He began to look and think, oh, my goodness. They are in so much trouble. They're the ones on slippery slopes. And I've got all this advantage. My favorite line, God, you have me by my right hand. You have me by my right hand. Another verse before he finishes is this. He declares before God, whom have I in heaven but you? Who, whom do I have in heaven but you? God, and there is nothing in this world that I desire besides you. I love that. I love that perspective. 
And it ought to be upon every single heart of those who are loving Jesus and pursuing after him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, that, that the things of this world, that, that they don't have to hold us any longer. They don't have to be what, what causes us, Lord, to be uh, just shackled to the things that, Lord, you died for. We don't have to be shackled to our, our greed, our, our gluttony. Our, we don't have to be uh, shackled to, to our eyes that are fixed upon the treasures of this world. But, Father, you have stated it very clearly that our sights need to be set upon your kingdom and your righteousness Father, we praise you as we come this morning for your words. And Lord, that Jesus' very words were written down for us to hear his voice and to be guided by him as our Savior. Lord, we praise you for this morning. Correct our hearts, strain our lives, help us to look over the things that we have around us. What does that identify? Lord, help us to open our eyes and our hearts before you. And, Father, to pursue your kingdom and your righteousness with all that we are. God, we praise you for being together. We praise you that Jesus brings us together. And we ask, Lord, to grow in within the the fellowship of believers, to grow through your word, through your spirit. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.